We're excited to worship together this morning as we are in week two of just this little three-week series uh, called Three Remain. And it's it's not our main text for this morning, and it wasn't our main text for last week, but our, our jumping in point comes from a very well-known passage of Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 13 says, Now these three remain. What an awesome word, remain. For, for all of us in the last 12 months, there's been some loss. For some of us, that loss has been significant. For some of us, it's been simple. We didn't get to go to our favorite restaurant for a little while. And for others, it's been life-changing. And in the midst of all that change, what we've decided is, is we want to kind of start off this new year talking about what's, what's still the same, what's dependable, what's, what's still true, what remains. And these three remain, faith, hope, and love. Last week we talked about faith this morning. We're going to focus on hope, and then God willing, next week we will talk about love, and the greatest of these is love. So real excited about next week. Make sure you don't miss next week. Um, this morning we're going to talk about hope. And last week as we focused on faith, we said faith is, is this belief that something's up, that you walked into a room and you're like, something was going on before I got here. It's, it's the belief that God's up to something, that, that faith is more than what we see. And that belief is is rooted in, in the belief that God is God. And not just is he God, he rewards those who seek him, he's good. And, and faith is this gift that comes through his goodness, through his grace. That, that's the idea of faith. And, and, and last week we looked at Hebrews chapter 11. And, and, and one thing I want us to, to kind of rewind and look at from last week, just as way of introduction, is this little phrase from Hebrews chapter 11, verse number one, that says, faith is the assurance, the assurance of things hoped for. We see there the, the bridge between faith and hope. Faith is the assurance of our hope. Faith builds the bridge to our hope. And, and, and with this thought, the, the assurance of, of hope is what faith is. I, I want to share with you three ideas of what, what hope can be in our, our idea or, or our mindset. Because only one of these three ideas is, is what the scriptures mean when they say hope. And, and these three kind of versions of hope, I, I got this from, from Rick Warren. I, I thought this was brilliant. He said there's three kinds of hope. The first one is wishful hope. Wishful hope is, is when we say we hope something happens, but we have no reason to hope that would happen. I hope that my three sons will get along for the rest of their lives. Why are you laughing? Because that hope is not rooted in any life experience up to this point. I have no data to back up that hope, right? Uh, maybe you hoped that the Cowboys were going to make it to the Super Bowl this year. Speaking of having no data to back up, no. Um, right, it, it, it's just a wish. Uh, Rick Warren used the example of saying that he hoped that his tomato plants would grow in his garden. And I don't know anything about growing anything. But then he explained he hadn't planted any tomato seeds or watered anything, and it wasn't the right time of year. And I'm like, well, I didn't think I knew anything about growing stuff, but I know that's not going to work. That's wishful hope. 
And, and then he said there's another kind of hope that's a little more sure. We, we call that expectant hope. We have some reason to, to kind of expect this. I expect that either Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady will win the Super Bowl today. I expect that one of those two will win because they're on both teams that are playing each other, right? It's not going to end in a tie. So I don't know which of them is going to win. Some of you might really hope that one of them is going to win over the other. And some of you might just, I I just hope it's a good game. I, I don't really care. But like the hope's rooted in at least a little bit of data. One of the things that we actually um, refer to a pregnancy as, as we says, oh, that couple is expecting, right? That's that's expectant hope. But if if like Maurice and I, you've ever suffered the heartbreak of miscarriage, you know that that hope is not a guarantee. And so even when we talk about expectant hope, it's it's not that it's sealed with a promise. It's just a an expectation. But then there's a third kind of hope, and this is what the scriptures mean when it talks about a hope, and that is a certain hope. It's not a wish, and it's not even an expectation, it's assurance. It's confidence. It's rooted in something that remains, that circumstances can't take away, that feelings can't take away, that struggles can't take away, that failures can't take away. That is the assurance of hope. That our faith produces. Here's what I would say. Last week we talked about faith that God is God and that God is good and that he's at work. And what I would say is this. Faith in who God is produces hope in what he will do. Does that make sense? My my faith in who a good God is produces hope in what that good God will do. And so hope is, is leaning that direction and, and looking that direction. And we are saved through the work of grace by faith. But hope is what it saves us to. <laughs> faith is why we're saved for. And that's bad grammar, but it can lead to good theology that it's, it's pointing a direction. It's, it's for a purpose. It's for a reason. We're not just saved from something. We are saved for something. That's the bridge of faith and hope. So I invite you to grab your Bible this morning as, as we're going to dive in and, and look at the idea of hope. And before we jump into the scriptures, we're going to, like we do every week, hold our Bibles up and say uh, our creed and our prayer together before we dive in. And uh, if you're a guest today, don't feel uh, obligation to join us in that. If that's not where you're at in your spiritual journey, uh, there's freedom to just be where you're at today. Uh, but if it does resonate with your heart, then we'd invite you to declare this with us as we hold up our Bibles and proclaim this together today. The Bible is the word of God. The truth of the Bible will change my life. Lord, open my heart and awaken my mind and give me grace to respond. Change me for your glory and my joy. Amen. Thank you so much. We're going to be back in the book of Hebrews again today. We're we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 6 in just a minute. Hebrews chapter 6, as as we're going to talk about hope. While you're turning or scrolling to Hebrews 6, I want to tell you about uh, this past May, uh, most of you know, uh, my, my dad passed away uh, earlier this year and, and we as a family went and stayed in Florida for a while to help uh, kind of handle uh, my mom and dad's estate and um, got kind of my mom settled in and sent her off to go uh, stay with her family up in Pennsylvania. She's actually here this morning. Hey, mom, what's up? Um, don't hug her. We don't want her to get COVID from you. Um, 
just wave at her nicely and smile behind your mask. Um, she uh, she went up to, to Pennsylvania with, with her family. And then we went through the process of doing an estate sale or whatever. And here's the thing about an estate sale. Eventually, they kick you out of the house. And, uh, man, it was just such a cool thing that the Lord kind of worked out through. Um, my mom was like, well, I'll put you in a hotel. And we found a place uh, at Amelia Island that was going to cost the same as the hotel um, because of COVID, I guess prices were down or whatever, but it really just felt like a gift from God to us as a family to, to kind of pull away in the midst of that crazy time. And staying out there, we found this restaurant at the marina uh, on Amelia Island. This awesome restaurant where you're sitting outside and, and eating these really good sandwiches and you're looking at the boats and the water on the intercoastal and it was just this cool place. It was a, it was a great experience. But as you're walking up to Brett's Waterway Cafe, uh, on the sidewalk right there, they have this big old anchor, rusty, welded-to-the-ground anchor. And because we have three boys, that means we must climb on said anchor. It's not for viewing. Um, it, it's for crawling on. And so we have this picture here of our boys. Marisa snapped a pic of them. Um, now, I, I do just want to say, in a way of disclaimer, um, that these... Uh, the statute of limitations is passed for their hair being out of dress code at TCS. Uh, this was during the pandemic. Um, don't judge. Um, they look homeless, but they were being fed. Um, yeah, anyway, so they are like, yeah, we got to crawl on this thing. We, we want to get our picture taken with this anchor. But what's cool about this picture is if you zoom in on our youngest, on Bryson here, I mean, he's just strong, right? The permanently welded, melted metal, he's holding it up. You just can't tell, right? He's Mr. Strong Guy, Mr. Tough Guy, right? The, the fact is this anchor is pretty useless because the anchor isn't rooted to anything. It's just sitting on a concrete slab. And it's not, that chain isn't tied to anything. It's just laying there in a pile of itself here. And so actually this anchor serves no purpose. But here's the thing. If, if we aren't anchored to the right thing, then we got to pretend like we're stronger than we actually are. If our anchor is not secure and our anchor is not in what remains, then we got to pretend. We're in the realm of make-believe that we can handle stuff that we're not actually strong enough to handle. And the problem with that game of make-believe is it only lasts so long. So, we look at God's Word. And in Hebrews chapter 6, we see this, this beautiful picture of the promise of God through Abraham to multiply faith through many generations. And Hebrews 6 talks about that God gave this promise by swearing an oath by Himself. Because if you're God... And you promise something, you're like, I swear to me, <laughs> right? Who else is he going to swear by? So he swears by himself, my blessings will endure for generations and can't be stopped. And what the writer of Hebrews says is that's a picture of hope. We, therefore, can encourage our hearts with hope because the promises of God, God cannot lie. He's given an oath by himself. And that idea of hope, then, we come to verse number 19 and the first half of verse 20. We have this, this hope that he's talking about. As a sure 
and steadfast anchor of the soul. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. Back to verse number 19 again, the very beginning. We have this hope as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. Here's the thing about about the anchor of hope that we have in Christ Jesus. It's not decoration. (laughs) It's not sitting on a sidewalk somewhere. It is sure and steadfast. There's two primary purposes of an anchor, and I'll pretend to be a a nautical genius or whatever, but there's two general purposes of an anchor. One is it keeps you from, from just the natural, gradual drift. And then one is it keeps you steadfast in a violent storm. Here's the thing about boats. The best designed boat in the world has a tendency to not stay where you want it to because of its surroundings. That's what this idea of sure and steadfast mean. The word sure literally just means secure, like tightened down. Like you, if you've got a little boat, you've got one of those little anchors with the little hooks on them with your little rope throwing out, you're hoping you catch a rock, right? If it's a big old beefy anchor, it's got the heavy chain and the weight of itself is holding you because boats tend to drift. And I got to tell you this about my faith. It's the exact same way. We all tend to drift. I've said before that the the quote from Paul David Tripp, uh, that we never drift towards wholeness. We only ever drift towards brokenness. If we're not living the Christian life on purpose, we're drifting. And that drift might be really gradual and, and really slow. So I made an intentional decision over the holidays. I'm going to chill out on my diet. And I'm taking two weeks off of working out. Because I deserve it. And then I got COVID and didn't eat for another week. And I've already told you how much I ate when I lost taste. <laughs> it was not a pretty sight. And so when I, three weeks later, got up and got on that treadmill, somebody like broke it because that thing didn't want to move. Because just in those three weeks, our bodies don't drift towards fitness, towards thriving, towards health. We drift towards sleeping in and eating a Snickers bar. (laughs) Can I get a witness? And it's Super Bowl Sunday. You deserve... No, I'm just kidding. I'm already making excuses for later today. We need something to anchor our souls with the natural drift of living in a broken world. The surroundings of a ship or the currents and the waves and the winds and the, the, the natural drift of our soul is we live in a broken world as broken people surrounded by brokenness. The natural trajectory is never towards God. It's towards self, self-defense, self-preservation, self-medication. We got to be anchored to something outside of us. That's what hope is. We'll talk about what that anchor is in a minute. 
that, that's the idea of it's, it's sure. But it's also steadfast. It's the idea of the word, uh, of the, the word picture that it's stable. That even when a storm comes up that could get us to where we don't even know where we are anymore, there's something that anchors us. When the phone rings and it's, it's bad news from that doctor's visit, when the, the boss calls you into the office and there's more COVID downsizing, when you watch the news about anything, and a storm blows in, if we don't have an anchor, we will find ourselves lost. And hope serves as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. In seventh grade, I had one of the weirdest experiences of my entire life. I've talked before about... um you know, my, my dad wasn't the, hey, let's go outside and play kind of dad. Um, hey, let's go do something fun. But in seventh grade, we're living in upstate New York. My dad says, we're going to go rent a boat, and we're going out on the lake, and we're going to go fishing. We live right on Seneca Lake in upstate New York, one of the Finger Lakes, uh, the deepest inland water lake in uh, New York. Beautiful. I didn't care at all in seventh grade about how beautiful it was. I look back in my memory, and I'm like, wow, it was beautiful. I didn't care. There were more deer than pretty girl in our county. Like, thank you. So anyways, um, I'm like, we're going fishing. Why? Do I have a disease? Is this like a make-a-wish thing? You're going to tell me bad news out on the water? Like, what, what's going on here? We, we never. I'd never seen my dad with a fishing pole in his life. I had never seen him in a boat prior or after. Like, what are we doing? We go down. We rent this tiny little boat. It's like a little bigger than an Altoid mint can. And we go out in the middle of this. I mean, it's a massive lake. And we go out. So Seneca Lake is the trout capital of blah, blah. Help me out, Fisher guys. I don't know. I didn't know there was a... Has nobody told the trout that they should go somewhere else? Like, I, they, The World Trout Championship is held there. That's a thing, apparently, for people with nothing else to do. I don't get it, man. So we're going out to go fishing. For the first time in my life in seventh grade, I don't know. And instantly, this massive storm comes out in the middle of the lake. I mean, out of nowhere. And I say out of nowhere, but really it could have been super obvious that it was about to storm, but we had no idea what we were doing. Like, truly, the dude at the boat rental place might have been like, <laughs> city stickers are going to die. Like, I don't know. I have no idea. All I know is one minute we're like fishing, and the next minute we're like, we're going to die. I'm telling you, it's not exaggerated from mind's eye. Like, I thought we were going to die. All of a sudden, there's huge waves out on this lake, and we're in the Altoid can, and it's like, tip and turn. And so I don't remember if there was an anchor in the boat, but the boat was so small that it would have been one of those little fold-up ones, you know what I'm talking about, with the nylon string on it, in the deepest inland water lake in New York. Like, literally, that lake is so deep that for decades they've done, uh, the military has done training for technology with submarine searches in the lake. Yeah, that anchor would not have done us any good. So either you've got to have a beefy anchor or you're going to have to haul tail back to shore. That's the only choice we had. So my dad's like, brace yourself. I'm going to floor it. 
Literally, I remember holding on, white knuckling, thinking the shore's moving farther away from us. And the waves are so big that we're doing that delay thing. You ever been in a little boat where you're like, like we're about to die. This is going to happen. Stuff is flying out of the boat. My dad's like, grab the fishing pole. And I'm like, forget the fishing pole. We're going to die. Here's the thing about that story. And no, I never got in the boat again with my father. If we don't have the right anchor, when a storm comes, our only hope is to outrun the storm. And I don't know about you, but that's never worked for me. There's not a single storm that's come into my life that I've been able to outrun. It eventually catches up. Praise God, we have an anchor that is both sure and steadfast. And his name is Jesus. <laughs> Hope for us is not this like this this intangible feeling. Our hope is a person, <laughs> and his name's Jesus. The writer of Hebrews says we have this hope as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. And here's his name. It's a hope that here's what he does rather. It's a hope that enters. I love that phrase, the rest of of verse 19. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. Those of you that grew up in Sunday school or have been around church a long time, you already know where we're going here, but it's too good to assume we know what we're talking about here. In the temporary tent of meeting, the tabernacle, and in the permanent temple, there was the Holy of Holies, the the holy place, the place where the presence of God would dwell. And between all of the people of God, including the priests, there was a veil. You only went behind the veil if you were a certain person at a certain time of year after going through a certain set of rituals and a certain dose of hope. But an amazing thing happened in the, the moment that the Gospels tell us that on the cross, Jesus gave up his life for us. And darkness, ironically, came on the earth. The earth shook and the veil, the curtain, was torn in two. In his death, access was granted to all of us into the presence of God. And this massive veil, some historians believe it would have weighed over 300 pounds because of how thick it was and how enormous it was. This veil did not tear from the ground up as though we had a single thing to do with it. The scriptures say that the veil tore from the top down as though somebody above us did all the work to make access for us. Hallelujah. That's the work of Jesus. That is where our hope is anchored. When you when you drop down one of those little anchors with the nylon rope, you sure hope you catch a big enough rock, right? Because you don't know till you start drifting. See, where our hope is 
is placed determines whether or not it's sure or steadfast. And here's where our hope is rooted. In the holy of holies. In the presence of the God that we talked about last week. The hope that enters in to interplace behind the curtain. Verse 20 where Jesus has gone. The forerunner on our behalf. Our hope is in Jesus. He's the forerunner. I want to park on that word forerunner for a few minutes this morning. It, it is a, it, I've told you this before, you, you've heard me say this phrase, uh, phrase before, but so many of the words in scripture are picture words that because we don't speak Hebrew or Greek, we miss the picture that they were meant to paint a picture. This is one of those picture words. This word is prodromos, which by technical definition is a, a running forward, a, a going in advance, a person running ahead to reach the destination before others. Listen to this definition. Listen to this. Arriving safely in advance for the benefit of others who also need to get there. Come on, people. That's good. An advanced guard used in, in military. One of our, our graduates here at TCS, Clayton Edwards, um, is a student at Oklahoma State. Um, they beat Texas yesterday. Sorry about that. Um, he's a student at Oklahoma State. And he just got accepted um, as a manager on their football team. I was talking to some of his his friends yesterday about what, what does that mean and what's that going to look like and and part of his role as this, this group of managers is you've got to set everything up in advance of the game. The players don't show up until the last minute. Everything's got to be ready. And so the big tractor trailers you see a lot of the football teams travel with, he'll travel days in advance of a game with the big tractor trailer and have everything set up and ready. And at the last minute, the team will just hop on a plane and they'll show up and they have this hope that everything will be ready for them. The difference is we're not talking about a game. And we're not talking about a student doing the work. We're talking about our eternity here in the presence of the living God. And Jesus has gone before. He's done the work. He's, he's prepared for us. It, it, it's a, another nautical term. I, I first read about this in a book by uh, um, Mark Batterson, and then I read it in a book by Levi Lusco, and then I was at a funeral and heard a preacher talk about this term, and I, I've not had the opportunity to talk to you about this yet, but pretend like you're as excited about this as I am. There's a nautical term called kedging. Kedging is, is used when a large ship needs to get into a, a port of entry, a canal that perhaps there's a storm out at sea, the waves are too bad, or perhaps just the canal's too narrow and the, the ship's really large. And so the process of kedging is that a really small little boat would come out to the large ship. And the, the large ship would lower its anchor down into that little boat. And the, the little boat would take the anchor into the harbor, place the anchor in a secure place. And then what the boat would do is draw in its anchor and all it's doing is pulling itself home. The name of the boat 
at this time in history in which this was written that would carry the anchor to harbor was called a prodromos. That's awesome. That something would take our anchor and root it to a secure place and then pull us home. That's what Jesus, he's the, he's the anchor who goes before. What's the chain? It's the Holy Spirit that seals us until the day of redemption. And here's the deal. Unfortunately, the anchor's rolling in really slow. <laughs> but we believe it's at work in faith that one day our hope is finally going to be fulfilled. Our hope's not in a feeling and it's not in a circumstance. It's in a person who goes before. Through the work of his death, burial, and resurrection, he has secured our hope. First Timothy 1.1 says Christ Jesus is our hope. Colossians 1.27 says that Christ in you is the hope of glory. Last week when we talked about, and earlier this morning, that, that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Here's the deal. The things all the things are Jesus. Everything that our faith has ever hoped for is fulfilled in the person of Jesus. Hope in the outcome is a wish. I hope things go well. That's just a wish. But faith in the one who governs the outcome produces hope. We trust him. We trust that he has gone before and he is at work. But here's the thing about a forerunner that I struggle with. It's not with me. It's in the future. The whole concept of forerunner is that he's gone ahead. And I want it now. I'm an American. We don't wait. (laughs) It's in the pledge somewhere, I think. He's gone in advance. And so our hope isn't in this life, in this moment, in this circumstance, in this situation, and in this outcome. Our hope is ultimately down the road. We, along with all of creation, are groaning as in the pains of childbirth, longing for that great day when finally our hope will be fulfilled. And everything else in the meantime is waiting with hope, enduring with hope, being patient with hope. He's the one who goes before, and so we, we're looking forward. We're watching the little boat take our anchor home. Last week I gave you a whole bunch of quotes from Mark Batterson about faith, just because I love all of his quotes. Here's, here's a Mark Battersonism for you today. He says, hope is standing on our tiptoes. I love that. Hope is standing on our tiptoes. Looking for that sure and steadfast anchor. Looking beyond the right now. And and hope, hope knows the difference. And some of you have heard me say this in my office. I talk a lot about this. Hope knows the difference between what's temporary and what's permanent. Because the fact is, 99.9% of what we pour our minds and our, our energies and our emotions into is temporary. It'll pass away. But hope remains. And, and what I believe the, 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 the goal or the job or the mission 
of the enemy. His name is the father of lies. His his goal is to whisper to us and call what is temporary permanent. He tells us that we're stuck where we are. He whispers and says, you're always going to feel this way. He whispers and says, you're always going to fail this way. He whispers and he says, you're always going to be fearful this way. But the one who is our anchor says, stuck. Death can't even defeat my people. They're so stuck with me. Do you know what I've defeated on behalf of my people? Do you know what I've accomplished in going into the inner place and and I'm pulling them home? You're not stuck. We have hope. And, and when we preach hope to our feelings of stuckness, what we're doing is we're aligning with what remains. We're seeing the difference between what is temporary and what is permanent. Maybe there's a, an old timer in your life, or maybe you have used the phrase, this too shall pass. This too shall pass. It's a really good phrase. You know why? Because it applies to everything except for Jesus (laughs) and what he's accomplishing for us. This is temporary. And I just wonder, somebody please hear me like with your heart and your ears right now for a second. I just wonder that if our hope was rooted not in things getting back to normal, but in us getting home. I wonder how much we would be persevering with a different spirit right now. That our hope was in what he's preparing. In what he is accomplishing. So there's a, um, there's a psychological phenomenon that's called effective forecasting. Effective forecasting is projecting our current feelings into the future. Here's what it sounds like. I just know this is going to be really hard. I know they're going to be so mad at me. I know she's going to be so disappointed. I know they're going to respond so ugly. We talk a lot about what we know is going to happen negative in the future. That's called effective forecasting. But I love what Mark Batterson said. He said, hope is not projecting our feelings into the future. Hope is projecting our faith into the future. (laughs) That the God who rules and reigns and does all things well will continue to do so. Will bring us home. That's hope. And and let me say this uh, about hope. I'm, I'm almost done. Look back again at verse number 20. This idea that, that Jesus has gone as a forerunner. Listen to me. It's on your behalf. So just like we said last week that faith is not something God's looking to you for, but rather it's a gift. Hope is a gift of the work of God. He's producing hope in us on our behalf for our good. He doesn't need hope. He's home. He's gifting us hope. That's why we know it's a gift that remains. That no one can take from you. 
Nobody can steal from you. It doesn't have an on-off switch in it. The batteries won't ever run out. It's a gift that remains. It's the gift of hope. Last week, we, we ended our time together by talking about Nick Vujicic. Last week, we talked about the, the fact that Nick is a picture of faith. Nick Vujicic says, I keep a pair of shoes in my closet. He was born with no arms and no legs. He says, I keep a pair of shoes in my closet because I have faith in a God who works miracles. But he's also a picture of hope because that's only the beginning part of his quote about faith. He said, I keep a pair of shoes in my closet because I have faith in a God who works miracles. He said, and I don't know whether or not God's ever going to give me that miracle. I don't know if I will ever have arms and legs in this life. But here's his words. But I am sure that I will have limbs in heaven. And I will be able to embrace all the people who've said to me, thank you for coming and talking about the hope of heaven to me. I'll be able to embrace them. That's a faith that produces hope. That miracle working God is at work on a miracle that hell itself can't stop on our behalf. And that's the direction that we are moving. All the stuff that's so broken to our right and to our left and and the stuff in us says, man, this isn't what I was created for. You're right. We're not home yet. Our hope is down the road. Our hope is in the future, and it is secure as the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As long as he is alive, there is hope today. So I would ask you, where's your hope? Just like there's not a person in your life worthy of all of your faith, there's not a person in your life worthy of all of your hope. Except Jesus. Him and him alone. Is he where your focus is? I read this week, Americans look at our phones an average of three and a half hours per day. We're spending a lot of time looking a lot of directions other than our anchor. Let's look to him. Who is our hope? This morning for you, maybe that's just a a turning away from, from the junk, from the mess, and turning your affection towards him and saying, God, I've been looking at myself, and I'm just a little boat out here in the middle of this lake. I've been looking at the storm. I'm terrified. I've been looking at the drift, and I'm disappointed. But this morning, through the work of your spirit, I want to look to to the anchor of my hope. I want to look to you. Maybe for you, that, that begins with the relationship with him. If you don't know for sure that you've experienced what, what Jesus calls such a new beginning, it's like being born again. We'd love to have that conversation with you. If you're worshiping online, you can click the link that says, can we talk? If you're in this room in just a moment as we, we stand together and sing about the goodness of God, you can slip to the prayer room in the back or see me and Lance down front. If you want to talk to somebody about your relationship with God, or maybe you just want a prayer because you're, you're feeling something other than hope today. You just want somebody to, to pray a prayer of hope over you. Maybe you want to come and, and kneel here and just pray for a fresh dose of hope. I believe it's available. I believe Jesus has done the work to make hope available 
to you today.